Hi folks, today is March 25th, and if it's Friday, then this is the Delve. You walk among us, volunteer firefighters, dedicated mothers and fathers, preschool teachers, Christians, holistic medicine enthusiasts, patriots. You see through the facade and face the deep state. You are ready to lay down your life for the sake of saving the children, 1.2 million of them every year, trafficked and abused by the entrenched pillars of power, thus far untouchable. Hillary. Where we go one, we go all. Why won't the mainstream media cover this? The dark forces of the deep state are looking for you. Their tentacles explore the mainstream internet. Facebook was safe, but it isn't anymore. Twitter never has been. 4chan, 8chan, that's where you find your people. The global puppeteers are pulling the strings of the stolen US government. A cabal of Satan worshippers. Soros, Rothschild. Hillary. The globalists have fabricated a plague in order to chip you like a dog. They're immortal from the blood of children that they have sexually abused and cannibalized. The storm is coming. Only Donald Trump can save us now. You know this because you follow Q. An unlikely political outsider is vying to represent Arizona in Congress. QAnon promoter and conspiracy theorist Ron Watkins announced his campaign for the first district seat last week. He'll run as a Republican fighting for a seat currently held by a Democrat. Now, many actually suspect Watkins is Q, the mysterious figure behind the QAnon conspiracy theory. He's also a leading promoter of what is often called the big lie, the disproven claim that the last presidential election was stolen from Donald Trump. Linguists studying the Q drops, as they're called, recently unmasked Ron Watkins as the man behind the keyboard. He inherited the persona from a South African man, Paul Ferber, who built the conspiracy theory off the back of Pizzagate, an internet conspiracy theory that led Edgar Madison Welsh to storm a popular DC area pizza restaurant called Comet Ping Pong. When Welsh shot the lock off a door inside Comet Ping Pong with an AR-15 he had brought from his home in South Carolina, he expected to find a basement full of trafficked children being held by Hillary Clinton's associates in a pedophilic sex ring. He instead found a small utility closet. Comet Ping Pong doesn't have a basement. According to Russell Johnson, assistant director of the undergraduate religious studies program at the University of Chicago Divinity School, conspiracy theories are not on the rise. It is an essential part of the human psychology to want to be able to explain the world around us, to project our insecurities onto boogeymen, and organize ourselves into us versus them. We can look back into history as far as the 14th century, when Christians blamed Jews for the bubonic plague. Pull back the curtain on most conspiracy theories throughout history and you'll find anti-Semitism. Conspiracy theories often draw on and feed into existing ethnic prejudices. And though conspiracy thinking exists across the political spectrum, it is most common among people who are losing power. For this reason, stop the steal, those chants are the blueprint of conspiracy thinking. And while conspiracies are not on the rise, they are without a doubt more mainstream in the American psyche 
and social and political paradigm than they have ever been. According to a tracker maintained by Media Matters for America, there are 54 current or former 2022 congressional candidates who have embraced the QAnon conspiracy movement. Hoping to follow in the footsteps of Representatives Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert, QAnon has infiltrated the halls of power in two ways. One, through legitimate elections won by truly, truly some of the least qualified and most fanatic people Congress has ever seen. And two, through force. On January 6, QAnon's presence in the mob was unmistakable. Q supporters believe then, as they do now, that former President Donald Trump won the election and is not only the rightful leader of the U.S., but also a kind of messiah who will save America. But how has the movement shapeshifted since the insurrection? Hey, 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 it's your favorite truth seeker holding the light for everyone out there who's given up hope that Trump is not the president of the United States of America, when in fact he is. Though the group has faded into the shadows this past year, their loyalty remains to one person, former President Trump. They predicted he was going to be reinstated on March 4th and proceed with public executions of pedophiles on March 5th. Executions will be happening on March 5th. That's a big statement. And I'm really looking forward to it. When that didn't happen, Q followers predicted Trump would really be reinstated on August 13th a day which also came and went. We are Q, we are, we are Q Anons, we are the Anons, we follow Q. In November, a new prediction for Trump's return, which would include a surprise announcement by John F. Kennedy Jr. He died in a plane crash in 1999, but Q followers believed he would arise and announce himself as Trump's new vice president. Hundreds even showed up at Dealey Plaza in Dallas, the place where Kennedy's father was assassinated, to see it happen. Some Q followers believe John F. Kennedy Jr. and others are only pretending to be dead. Can you give me any names? No? Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson's coming back? Michael Jackson. He's not, Robin he's not Williams. dead. Robin Williams is Robin coming Williams back. Robin Williams was with our group last night. None of the predictions from QAnon have actually ever come true. And so they've embraced other conspiracies about the election, the pandemic, and any other topic that fits their agenda. No conspiracy is too wild, no prediction too unlikely for a movement that continues on. Like the Hydra of Greek mythology, a snake monster who, when you chop off its head, grows two more heads in its place, the movement has morphed into a sort of choose-your-own-adventure conspiracy theory for the one in six Americans that believe former President Trump is secretly battling an elite group of politicians, media moguls, and academics who are deeply involved in child sex trafficking and satanic sacrifice. I, I can't even believe those words are coming out of my mouth. I'm completely dumbfounded by all of this, so I called on Professor Marielle Harrison, who teaches a class entitled The Prophet Q, on QAnon, cults, conspiracy theories, and new religious movements at the University of Chicago. She's here to help me break down what on earth is going on. Take a listen. 
Hi, Marielle. Thank you so much for coming on the Delve. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I am pretty good. I'm pretty good. Uh, we are about to talk about a topic that is, it's pretty interesting. Um, and it's not one that I know much about. So I feel like this is going to be a very, um, I don't know, for lack of a better word, interesting, uh, interesting episode. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. <laughs> and before we jump in, uh, Mario, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm a historian of religion. I'm right now at the University of Chicago, um, and I'm a PhD candidate, just basically studying comparative religion. Right. And so you taught a class entitled The Prophet Q. And uh, so QAnon, cults, conspiracy theories, and new religious movements. Um, has, has this always been your passion? QAnon specifically has not been an ongoing passion for me, as it's a mm. relatively new movement. I've been doing right. this for a while. But as a historian of religion, I've been interested for a long time in just comparative religious studies and perhaps the more extreme examples of the power of human belief. Um, mm. I mean, I think everyone, or at least most people, finds these groups fascinating just because they're so hard to immediately comprehend. Mm -hmm. and, and what about some of the new religious movements? Have and, and any of them been you know, rather interesting for you? Well, I think they're all extremely fascinating just because so many of the new religious movements that I'm particularly interested in are like the more extreme ones. Okay. Um, these are the ones that people usually <laughs> label quote unquote cults. Um, uh, and I just, I find them fascinating for the same reasons that everyone else does. But I also think that people are always kind of quick to assume that behaviors they can't understand stem from people being quote-unquote crazy um but that kind of label really ends up obfuscating a more interesting truth about these movements which is that these are people who have been socialized or somehow otherwise convinced that they are being rational actors and i think it's easy to be looking at something from the outside and kind of think like how the heck could anyone come to hold these beliefs but for me, it's always interesting looking at the process which brought someone to those beliefs because most people don't immediately make the jump into a really extreme idea. Right. Um, I think a good example is what happened in Jonestown. Oh, um, right, right. Yeah, are you familiar? Uh, this is the one in South America, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, most most listeners have probably heard of it, but this was an example of mass murder-suicide that happened in 1978, and 914 people were killed in mm -hmm. Guyana. And this, this event has even become part of our common vernacular, you know, the phrase, drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah, that's a... That's so it a derives from this. Yeah, it's a reference to the poison lace punch that was used by members of this group to commit suicide. Although it actually, it actually wasn't Kool-Aid, it was Flavor Aid, just to mm. be a stickler for details. Okay, right, right, because that's important, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's important. And, and some of the newer religious movements, what are, I guess, what's some of your favorites and what's some of the wildest? 
Well, I, I think Jonestown is a great example of one of the wildest just because it's an example of where almost a thousand people committed mass suicide or mass murder suicide. And I think it's fascinating because this is kind of the prime example of a quote unquote cult. Like when people think of cults, especially in America, they think of Jonestown. Um, but for me, I think what's interesting looking at these groups is it's easy to look at the result, which is that almost a thousand people committed suicide and think, well, what the, what the heck happens? Like, how could these people think that? So I think a lot of people don't realize looking at Jonestown that Jim Jones actually started off preaching a lot of progressive values in the 1960s and 70s that people still find really attractive. So he was an early advocate for racial and economic justice and his church, then a part of Disciples of Christ, was not so different from other more mainstream congregations. Mm -hmm. So the catastrophe of Jonestown, which is sort of the paradigm cult or like perfect example of, for the American populace of what a cult is, is really part of a very long and gradual process of Jim Jones gaining more control over the lives of members of this congregation. And so it's easy to look at these members and ask questions like, why wouldn't they leave or how would they agree to this? But I think it's incredibly difficult to extricate yourself from that kind of situation especially when your closest friends and family members are also involved, which is what happened in Guyana. And then when we think about religious movements, not too far behind that is where conspiracy theories lie. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess one of the, you know, I guess more recent biggest phenomenons in this space has been Q. Um, when did you realize Q was going to be a thing? <laughs> I think that the, the ground was being laid for QAnon to become a thing even before QAnon existed. Um, Alex Jones and conspiracies like Pizzagate, and um, just to clarify, Pizzagate is the conspiracy that a pizza shop in Washington, D.C. was actually the headquarters for a child sex trafficking ring. Um, those actually predate the first Q drop. So the environment and some of the fundamental QAnon beliefs, like belief in a deep state, were already circulating and being popularized on the internet. Mm -hmm. and, and so would you call QAnon a cult? Is it a new religion? Is it just a political ideology? What, what do we consider this? Movement. I, I think it's kind of funny that so many, so many mainstream media sources have jumped to the cult label as mm. though this is somehow explanatory or useful. Um, you may have noticed that I have shied away from using the word cult or I always say quote unquote just because there's no real way to differentiate between a cult and mainstream religion. I, I mean, the usual quip about this is that a cult is a religion that you don't like. Even, even then, religion itself is a notoriously hard to define, if not impossible to define term. Mm -hmm. I think most people have a general idea of what counts as religion, and scholars trying to define it, and there have been many, many attempts to do so, 
are essentially working backwards, trying to create a definition that encompasses those popular ideas. And there's two problems with this. The first is that popular conceptions about religion are rooted in certain biases towards particular traditions and modes of being religious. And the second is that any definition that can encompass the vast array of different religions as popularly conceived usually becomes too broad to be useful. It starts encompassing other things which aren't usually signified as religious groups or thought to be religious groups like political ideologies, et cetera. So I think that being said, I do think that there are tools that we can use to understand new religious movements that are helpful for better understanding QAnon. And I, I think this is the real question that we should be focused on rather than like, what do we call it? The real question should be, how can we best understand it? And I, I think this is a good segue into um, kind of like just defining what QAnon is about. So I, I suppose I'm, you know, pretty politically astute and I follow the news and I have a handle on what's happening on in American politics. I do not quite understand QAnon and I'm going to give what I believe it is. And is it okay if you can correct me if I make a mistake? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I will, I will try Okay. Okay. And, and it's, it's very limited. So, <laughs> so, so here we go. QAnon is about some person, a guy who is a high level intelligence person who is working to dismantle the deep state or something. I think I want to stop there because like, I feel like the more I go, the wackier it'll get and the probably the more off I will be. So I'm going to stop right there. Yeah, I mean, I think you've got the basic bare bones of what it is. Okay. Um, <laughs> so basically, there's this idea that the main idea of QAnon as it was originally formulated is that there's essentially a cabal of satanic sexual abusers of children um, who are operating on a global, global scale and engaging in sex trafficking. And former U.S. President Donald Trump um, was actively trying to fight against and arrest some of these main figures. So basically, I maybe you've seen memes about the storm or the event or something like that. Sure. Okay. <laughs> well, basically, it's this idea that um, Trump was planning the mass arrests and executions of these Satanistic, cannibalistic sex abusers on okay. like a particular day. Okay. And there's a lot of days, like special days in Q. There aren't there a lot of like, this day, this is going to happen. So watch out. That happens a lot, right? Yeah, basically. I mean, QAnon, Q drops, if you've ever seen one, are kind of hard to decipher, like uh -huh. incredibly hard to decipher. But at the same time, that provides a lot of possibilities for people to interpret them in different ways. 
So there have been various theories about how certain things are going to happen on this day or about how this drop is a reference to this secretly happening behind the scenes. So yeah, that's very common. Has any of his predictions come true on their supposed date? No. I mean, well, it's hard to say what his predictions are because they're so veiled. Um, I'm sure QAnon supporters believe that many of these things have come true because like if you, if a QAnon drop mentions water and something in the world references water in the news, then perhaps that's proof that that drop was true. But you but see what how there is relate to anything. So true. So true. Right. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so you see how it's easy to like read into these particular drops that like this happened on this day, or we can see that this actually is a connection to this. But in reality, it's very hard to understand. First of all, what Q drops are even referencing if they're referencing anything real. And essentially there's no actual connection to what's happening on the ground in the real world. Are there any, like, any drops that he's mentioned close to being true? I don't know. What did he say, uh, you know, on whatever date um, the U.S. government's going to announce this, and then they make that announcement? (laughs) Not Oh, gosh. Really? Really? (laughs) No. How has this survived? How has, like, how, I'm just so confused. How has this made it so far? I think it survived just because the drops are so nebulous. You can read almost anything you want into them. And that's created a scenario where a lot of, like, people on the internet are basically, like, becoming Q activists. And this isn't Uh happening so much right now, now that Q has kind of stopped dropping. Um, Uh But... Previously, they were basically like Q warriors and they would go in and they would attempt to analyze and spend a lot of time trying to analyze different Q drops. And in a way, this brought them into a particular community that was very supportive of these activities. And it also made them feel like activists towards what they thought was a global good, which is trying to stop a global ring of sex traffickers. And then there was recently this unmasking from a linguist and he revealed, um, I guess, someone in South Africa, uh, Ferber. Yeah, Paul Ferber. Can you kind of walk us, you know, walk us around that? Yeah, basically there was a recent article um, in the New York Times where linguists an analysis to reveal that the first Q making Q drops was probably uh, Paul Ferber. And the second Q after QAnon moved to 8chan, which is a different platform, was probably Ron Watkins. Um, I think for me, this wasn't especially surprising. I think anyone paying attention to the QAnon phenomenon has sort of been aware from the beginning that Paul Ferber was probably the first Q, um, maybe with a few other accomplices, and that Ron Watkins likely filled in that role at 8chan. Um, Fred Brennan, who was actually the original owner of 8chan, he basically guessed as much like in 2020 
And oh. there's there's actually an HBO documentary um, on QAnon called Into the Storm. And in that documentary, Ron Watkins essentially admits on camera that he acted as Q. So it wasn't a great surprise when linguists revealed that it was Paul Ferber and Ron Watkins. So Paul Ferber is actually from South Africa. Mm -hmm. He's not American at all. No, and Ron Watkins wasn't in America when he was operating HM. <laughs> okay, okay. And Q is supposed, I'm sorry, I'm still wrapping my head around this. So Q is supposed to be this high level guy who's revealing these drops that, you know, they're, yeah. they're like secretive for, I don't know. Yeah, the original idea was that Q, the person making these drops, was basically, uh -huh. uh, and this is a reference to Q clearance, which is like a top secret clearance actually for the U.S. Energy Energy Department. Um, okay. But the the idea is basically it was either one person or a group of people that was very high up in the government and closely connected to Trump. And uh -huh. these people had insider info on what was happening behind the scenes in the U.S. government and was revealing that info strategically through these drops. And I, I, this is not like a real question, but why would someone with a very high, you know, you know intelligence clearance at the energy department be concerned with kind of like justice uh, procedures were, you know, involving sexual predators. I mean, I think, I think for a QAnon mind, it makes sense that if the majority of the U.S. government has positions filled by this elite group of cannibalistic sex predators, then Trump and a few other select individuals fighting for the greater good would be working from the inside to kind of rip apart that framework and hold those people like accountable. the Department of Energy? <laughs> I don't know why I'm from the Department of Energy. Okay. And no one's asking like these questions. Everyone's just like, yes, stay tuned for the next drop. We have to like decipher <laughs> this. Like no one's thinking like, you know, it's like really like just let's just go to the basics. Um, has, has the unmasking done anything to the movement? Are people like, whoa, that's weird. I, I don't think I should follow this anymore. No, it really hasn't. And I, I honestly don't think it will. I mean, at this point, there have, mm. there have not been any drops after January 6th. And I think QAnon has sort of moved on from its original mm. focus on Q, the figure of Q, and Q drops and has kind of grown to encompass a whole slew of internet conspiracies. Mm -hmm. So I think, whereas it used to reference a very particular conspiracy theory, I think it's really broadened in terms of what it now encompasses. So wh where does the movement go from here? How, how you know, what, what happens next? That's a great question. Um, mm -hmm. My prediction is I think because Q-related content was purged from the major platforms after the January 6th riot, I think mm -hmm. that we're going to see a bit of a change just due to the nature of Telegram, which is where a lot of QAnons have sought internet refuge. Telegram mm -hmm. basically operates through channels that are individually controlled. 
And I think there may be some QAnon channels that come to hold their own particular beliefs. I think an example of this would be there was a group a few months ago in Dallas that was waiting for JFK Jr. to appear, who, of course, right. is yes. deceased. Yes. Um, and that group stemmed from a very particular telegram channel that was controlled by one man, Michael Protzman. So I think that we're going to be seeing more things like that in the future just because mm -hmm. of the nature of how telegram works. So maybe some sort of schism, if you will. I just think about like, um, you know, what would it take for a person to kind of like be shaken up or like waken up that, oh, wait, maybe I'm following something that isn't true. Um, like, you know, the deceased Kennedy coming back to life to run for vice president with Trump. That's so bizarre. And when this day comes and it passed, people are out there for this parade that's never going to happen when are you thinking guys maybe this is like just so out there this is not true i mean i think it's really hard because this is there's a lot of buy-in and if you really believe in QAnon and in basically the fundamental nature of the u.s government acting in this way and in this web of conspiracy i think it's it's easy to justify why particular predictions would be wrong. And it's a lot harder to take yourself out of that whole worldview. Um, there's actually a, a Reddit called QAnon casualties that it's actually pretty sad. It's um, like family members and close friends of people who are now kind of devoted to the QAnon cause, just talking about how their relationships have been fractured because of this and how it's taken over some people's lives. I think it's just really hard when there's a lot of buy-in towards a particular worldview. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm curious about how dangerous do you think this movement is? If we're losing folks, you know, from losing Americans, if we're losing voters um, to people who are buying into such outlandish and bizarre theories, is there a dangerous element to this? Oh, I think definitely. I mean, we all saw what happened on January 6th, and a lot of that was brought about by QAnon conspiracy theories. And there have also been numerous instances of murder that have stemmed from QAnon beliefs and suspicions, people suspecting that someone close to them is a child molester or somehow involved in the deep state. And this has resulted in real violence. Wow. Uh, and and there's also, um, I guess, some instances where Q conspiracies have been tied to anti-Semitic conspiracies. Yeah, I would say that QAnon um, at its core is very closely tied to anti-Semitic conspiracies because mm. it's essentially a modern version of blood libel, which is an anti-Semitic conspiracy that reaches back into the medieval period. And essentially, this was the obviously false accusation that Jews drink or eat the blood of young Christian children. And that idea that Jewish people kill innocent Christian children and drink their blood has been a major source of anti-Semitism and hate crimes against Jewish people up to the present day. And I think the modern QAnon version of this is that elites are engaging in child sex trafficking, not just for sex with minors, but also to harvest their blood for a substance called adrenochrome. 
which they believe needs to be harvested from living tortured children and which acts as a really powerful hallucinogenic. And of course, the anti-Semitism is also part of like a fundamental aspect of QAnon and its origins that George Soros and the Rothschild family of bankers basically mm. held up as QAnon as money-loaded promoters and defenders of the deep state. Wow. That's how, a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, I'm just I was about to say, how do you, I don't know, this is, it's incredible. And, and I guess when you're compiling all of this research and you're, you know, you're really digging in, are you overwhelmed sometimes? Are you like, what is happening? Yeah, I think that sometimes, yes. Mm. I think for me, it's almost kind of comforting to, as a historian, realize that this isn't the first instance of, instance of like this kind of belief. Like America mm. has a history with conspiracy theories. The blood libel is centuries old. Like sure. humans just have this tendency and QAnon, even though it is a very ridiculous and extreme modern incarnation of like conspiracy type thinking is not really unusual in type. And for me, that's kind of comforting. I don't know. Maybe that's not comforting for other yeah. people. No, it's, it's so funny. I like to, in these uh, interviews, asking folks usually what's something that they're hopeful for, what's something that <laughs> makes them optimistic for the future. What would be that for you in regards to Q? Are, are there signs that it's fizzling out? Are there signs that, you know, it's dropping in popularity? What is, what is kind of like the, I don't know, what's the happy part of this? <laughs> I wish I had a happy optimistic <laughs> prediction. I really don't. I don't think QAnon is going away, and I really don't see it lessening in popularity. It survived the January 6th riots. I think it started to encompass a more broad spectrum of conspiracy theories, and it's becoming mm. more deeply entwined with anti-vaccine. And yeah, I don't see a really optimistic outlook. <laughs> I guess my, my optimism would be to look pessimistically at history and mm. realize that this isn't like a sui generis phenomenon. This has happened before. Yeah. And they just kind of go in waves. They have their big day and then they kind of go away with an, the next thing. Well, we can hope we can hope it goes away. I'm yeah. I'm not certain that it I can't will. imagine what's like the next thing. What could what could replace this? That that sounds actually quite scary <laughs> to think that it's like, oh, we this is the next big uh, the next big profit making his drops from the energy department i don't know it's it's just so it's so intense it it is really intense hopefully the next incarnation of whatever major <laughs> yeah. conspiracy theory that happened in the u.s isn't quite so violent but right. i think it is really hard to combat this type of thinking especially in the age of an internet where we have algorithms that sort of direct people towards mm. particular types of thinking. Like if you're an anti-vaxxer already, then mm -hmm. you're going to be given QAnon content really quickly just because the internet knows what kind of things you'll be drawn to. And I think that's had a really powerful impact on the number of people that believe in QAnon conspiracy theories, often without knowing that they're connected to QAnon. I think a lot of these conspiracy theories are just sort of floating around out there and mm -hmm. People don't really connect them back to QAnon per se, or don't even know what QAnon is. 
but they end up believing some of these fundamental beliefs in the deep state or an anti-vaccine microchip, what have you. And then there's also links between, um, you know, someone searching for natural medicine or new age pathways. There's like this link that, you know, I guess funnels them into QAnon material. Yeah, I think that the main link between new age natural medicine and QAnon has probably been a shared fear of vaccines. Mm. So anti-vaxxers and conspiracies about vaccines have always existed in the natural medicine and new age world. For example, you might have heard about like conspiracies around vaccines causing children to be on the autism spectrum. Sure. Um, um. And we now have algorithm, algorithms that can connect those who are already predisposed to this kind of thinking with related conspiracy content like that of QAnon. Um, there's also been a concerted effort by QAnon supporters to reach out to women through social media. So there's a researcher, Mark Andre Argentillo, and he's dubbed this phenomenon pastel QAnon. And this is just basically the use of content that adopts certain aesthetics of influencers to promote QAnon ideas. So it kind of like looks like, you know, positive, like color scheme, sure. like classy Instagram influencer constant content, but really it's a QAnon idea that's kind of like veiled by this sort of aesthetic. Sounding kind of culty. I'm not going to lie. It sounds a little <laughs> culty. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you could say it yeah. sounds a little culty. <laughs> yeah, sounds a little culty. Um, Marielle, I, I, before I let you go, is there anything that we missed that you think we should definitely know? Let me think. Um, <laughs> I mean, this is such a complicated topic and it's difficult because there's no easy answers really right. um i think that for the most part conspiracy theories like QAnon have existed for a long time like mm. in american politics and in american culture um and i think that the pandemic also really gave rise to an increase in conspiracy theories um mm. There's a psychologist, Steven Tyler, who wrote, I think in 2019, a book called The Psychology of Pandemics. And it's really interesting because it, he basically predicts a lot of what happened with corona, the rise of conspiracy theories, especially around anti-vaccine. And I think that's played a large part in the popularity of QAnon. Okay. Wow. Marielle, thank you so much for coming on the delve. I super appreciate it. I felt like I knew, I guess, like a little bit about Q, but apparently I wasn't, I wasn't even scratching the surface. Um, <laughs> thank you for, uh, you know, revealing, revealing this to me and, and to the listeners. Really, really appreciate it. No, yeah. Thank you for having me. For sure. I want to give a big thank you to Marielle for walking us through Q this definitely has to be the craziest story I've ever had to report on. It, that was weird. <laughs> it's bizarre how this is still going strong, especially as every drop falls flat. God, this is strange. Anyway, thank you for tuning in. I'm Chaylin and this is The Delve. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast and definitely unsubscribe from Q. Until next time.